This show is sponsored by CoventryCreations.com. You're listening to Keep It Magic Radio. 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 Are you ready to make some magic? Yaki and Storm are putting the pieces together for you. Find out what planets are changing the game and how to harness that energy. Get the latest metaphysical perspective on hot topics. Learn how to make magic work for you. Nothing is too hot or personal for Jackie and Storm to handle. Visit our website weekly for articles, updates, and the latest information to transform your life at www.keepitmagic.com. Now here is Jackie Smith and Storm Festivani. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Keep It Magic. I'm Storm Sestavani. Um, cruise on over to Jackie and my website, which is www.keepitmagic.com for the latest updates on articles, spells, suggestions, astrological insight, candle magic tips, whatever it is that you need that Jackie and I have written is all over there. You can also cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com. Again, that's www.coventrycreations.com. If you have a problem in your life, regardless of what that problem is, um, we have a candle for that. So make sure that you check that out. We are now moving into part four of our series on finding your inner gold. And I just want to remind you that once you get done listening to this show, there will be two more shows that will be left for season three of Keep It Magic. Um, only two? Only two. Only um, two? Tell me which two. The first episode in July will be my interviewing Patty. <laughs> and uh, we're gonna, I'm going to get down and dirty in a way that Jackie can't with Patty Shaw. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Oh. <laughs> I know this is the Venus show. Yeah, this is the Venus show, and I'm trying to keep it from going into softcore porn. Um, <laughs> uh, but if you need a little assistance to get into the mood of Venus, go queue up a Beyonce, hit the pause button on the show, queue up a Beyonce playlist, five or six songs, play them and come back, and you'll be completely in the mood. Um, <laughs> the second... Um, episode of Keep It Magic in July will be my doing Jackie <laughs> raw and uncut <laughs> live on the air. <laughs> I have no idea what you have planned here. You know what, and this is not the first time you've done an interview of me and thrown me off base, but I don't think I've done that for you. Um, no, you haven't. We're we'll going have to have to... We have to do that in season four. Okay. Um, uh, uh, there are a couple of um, ideas for season four that I want to uh, to do, one of which, and I want to wait until the DVD of it comes out, which will probably be, I would say, towards the end of the year. Um, um, but I want to do a show on some of the stuff in Maleficent, and I want to mm-hmm. tie that in with Dwarf Planet Aries. Oh, cool. Or Eris, excuse me, Eris. Um, Aries is Mars. Um, so it'll be all new material. I've never really talked about Aries that much. I've got a whole body of stuff, and it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, and, uh, uh, and yeah, you can interview me raw and uncut. <laughs> all right, all right. So, now, so did we finish our opening here? Yeah, I'm finished with the opening. Okay. Jackie, I have a question for you. Okay. In your opinion... Do you feel that the majority of people have a very unbalanced view of relationships? And if you do, why? Well, you did you did bring up Maleficent because she's. I love these um, tell-all books about the bad side. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because we, so many of our generations, have grown up with the happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, and, and it's not just Disney, it's the Leave it to Beaver, it's the Cosby Show, it's, um, it's the Brady Bunch, it's the, all of these things that say, um, and then they get married and then they live happily ever after. And really that's only the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. So um, they think that, uh, that, that, that to have a balanced relationship it is perfect, and it's not. Because relationships are the journey. 
they're not the destination. Um, <clears throat> a relationship is a constant fluctuation of balance. So, so who, different parties are more important at different parts in the relationship. We try and talk about having the relationship in balance, but it's in balance because it's kind of a teeter totter. Yeah. Um, you know, even even a wheel. If you look at a wheel, a, yeah. Um, unless a wheel is laying flat on its side and not going anywhere, that's the only time it's ever in balance. Um, when you look at a, a wheel and you have to rotate the tires on, on your car because they're never totally in balance because there's always one point of that wheel that has extra pressure on it. Um, so it's the rest of the wheel that has to compensate for that pressure until it gets to their part to the pressures on them. So um, it's a constant moving rotation of imbalance, but hopefully in the end, it becomes, um, if you add it all up and subtract all the other stuff, it becomes a balance. Mm-hmm. But it's never a perfect balance in any one moment. Compromise doesn't exist. Compromise is nobody getting their way. Compromise is not healthy, I don't think, um, um, because then nobody gets their way. Uh, so to me, in a relationship, there's, and, and I know it's not necessarily the popular point of view, but if you... Um, understand each other's language and you decide whose need is the most important at this time so then then you you get go into that cycle of I agree I think everybody in relationships has to win at given points mm-hmm. and once I tried I stopped trying to make my relationship one of balance mm-hmm. and understood that there's times when um, I am the queen bee um, and there's times when... When he is the queen bee. Well, when he's... <laughs> I wouldn't say queen bee, but um, <clears throat> but when, when um, what he says is, is what we're going to do. And, and, um, and it's really interesting because my daughter, who's now 17, really challenges me on that. And, and she's like, well, how come blah, 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 blah? I said, because it's more important to him to do this than it is for me to not do this. Mm-hmm. And that's what a relationship. There's sometimes when it's more important for this to happen for me than it is for it to not happen for him, or vice versa. So, so that's so she she doesn't agree, but she's 17. She doesn't have to. Um, but it's just really interesting that that that. Um, and it just came up in a session with a client. Um, that question: um, What is a balanced relationship? And and um, that was really like a lot of times when I'm with clients working in the Akashic Records, I just move myself and my ego aside and let them talk. And that's what they said. And it was really and I had just written that down. So when you sent that question to me, I went, I got an answer for you. <laughs> well, one of the things that I have seen in the past 25 years of doing readings is I think that in many ways. Um, relationships, or at least the ones that call us, Uh um, oftentimes their relationship needs are kind of absent of any form of Venusian um, component and are more addressed and or dealing with lunar issues or moon issues, Um, meaning when you get to the roots of the relationship problem, it's either an issue with security or foundation or structure or the need to feel a part of something or the need to feel loved, which, despite what many astrological textbooks may tell you, has nothing to do with Venus (laughs) um, at all. (laughs) And... um, uh, Venus is, uh, if you look at her particular imagery, Jackie, if you go and you um, pull up on Google Venus and, you know, or Aphrodite images, and then hit the images button, there's a very, very famous painting of her, Jackie, with holding a mirror um, in one hand and her hand on her vagina in the other. And the essence of Venus has really a lot more to do with um, self pleasure and finding some form of uh, of satisfaction through the vehicle of relationships. So relationship for Aphrodite is a vehicle. It's not necessarily um, 
uh, you know, a tangible thing like a marriage. Aphrodite could give a, a damn about marriage. Um, uh, you know, she wasn't a goddess of marriage by any means. She was the goddess of erotic love, not the goddess of love. The goddess. She was a specialist. She had a specialty. <laughs> um, you know, she had a degree <laughs> in erotic love. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to get that out of the way first. And my next question to you, Jackie, is um, what do you think about invoking Aphrodite to spice up a marriage in a spell? Okay. That is the trick question of the day <clears throat> because that is so often what people do is if they want more love in their life or deeper love with their relationship, they'll, um, they'll invoke Aphrodite. And I say nay. That is not the best move on your part. But if you want to, um, if, you're, if you really want to bring some spice into your marriage and you are feeling inclined to call in Aphrodite or Venus, you have to really focus and specify what you want to have happen, what you want that, um, her to bring to you, and for how long. For instance, um, you want um, a hot night, a hot weekend with your man, Absolutely, bring in a little, bring in a little Venus Aphrodite energy. But say between Friday night and Sunday morning, <laughs> I would like this really sexy energy to come in um, where we release any inhibitions and everybody has a good time. But that's the only reason to to do that, and and you have to be specific and have a time limit. What do you think? Hey, Storm. Oh, I have no idea what happened there. <laughs> Did you hear me? Um, yeah, I heard you, and I was talking. And then, of course, we are recording during Mercury Retrograde. So uh, <laughs> um, basically what I said, Jackie, is I agree with you completely. Um, what I would do in regards to the situation with Aphrodite um, being invoked is I would really make sure that the person that is evoking the spell, um, that their purpose for doing it is also a very self-gratifying circumstance. In other words, she's, she is doing this to tend to her own needs, basically. Um, uh, the other person's needs, I think, are secondary in an Aphrodite-based issue. Um, of course, you want them to have fun and you want them to orgasm or whatever, okay? Um, but at the same time, um, uh, it is a situation in which my feeling here is is that uh, you know tending to your own needs are basically is the most predominant thing. I had a client, Jackie, that actually is a listener to the show, um, and um, I just asked if I could discuss this um, on the air, and she said she was fine with it. Um, and she buys Coventry candles, and she had contacted me about two and a half years ago, um, and she wanted to know what I would suggest candle magic-wise to spicen up the sex um, in her marriage. She was married to somebody. And um, so she got love's enchantment, and uh, she decided that she was going to be all sophisticated and glamorous and do a ritual, <laughs> as we often do. <laughs> and um, uh, she, you know, had listened to several of our shows, and um, uh, she went out to the dollar store and got some things, and, you know, she put some, you know, sexy underwear on her altar and, um, you know, got this picture of Aphrodite from somewhere and put it on her altar and she invoked um, 
Aphrodite and wrote out this little thing and, you know, did the, the whole journaling thing that we talked She took it seriously, Jackie. That's awesome. God love her. <laughs> she took it seriously awesome. You know, journaled about it, wrote about it, you know, all of the things it. that we talk about. And she lights up her love's enchantment. And um, the next day, um, so the candle's still going. The next day, she's getting um, uh, the cable guy. <laughs> the cable guy comes over to install the cable. And she had known him from like 10 years before, but they hadn't seen each other. And, um, you know, they had went out on a couple of dates 10 years prior. And, you know, so he came in. So, you know, in that type of situation where somebody shows up and, you know, you were friendly with them before, you know, it's just natural that you're going to spark up a conversation and talk while you're working. You know, how are things going? How is your life now? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, they obviously enjoyed it, Jackie, because they ended up having an 18-month affair. <laughs> and with the cable guy. Isn't that what I say? If you're going to do love spells, you got to get out of the house, you're going to end up having an affair with the cable guy? Yeah. Well, in this case, it was, you know, her old boyfriend from a long time ago that was now the cable guy. And they ended up having an 18-year um, or an 18-month uh, love triangle that was extremely devastating to the marriage. Um, and I will explain why later and the purpose of, uh, of what love triangles actually do. Um, but before we get into that, um, we're going to go into a little bit of Aphrodite, because I think, you know, as I defined amplification in the last show, and we're going to begin to start to amplify Aphrodite in the same way that we did Mercury and um, the lunar goddesses um, and the sun. Um, Jackie, the earliest known versions of Aphrodite, which... Um, were in, in Babylonia, she was known as Ishtar, um, who was the, uh, she presided over pleasure of an illicit kind. <laughs> this is going to get pretty interesting. Um, Are you uh, going to talking about the sacred whore? Yeah, we're going to start heading over to uh, the, the, the temple harlot here in a second. Um, in Egyptian, she was known as Hathor or Bath. Um, they were uh, the patroness of the dance and orgiastic sexual, sexual rights. Um, I'm almost already even talking about this because it is, uh, you know, pretty interesting. Um, the interesting thing with all of these particular um, erotic goddesses, Jackie, is that they seem to have a particular cult and a temple that was usually attached to them. Um, and in fact, the Medusa... Um, who is a prominent figure in Greek mythology um, because she gets turned into this hideous creature and a snake, okay? In one version of her particular myth, she is actually a priestess of Aphrodite who is raped by Poseidon in Athena's temple. Um, uh, and then there is the other version, of course, where she is a priestess of Athena and is raped in uh, uh, Poseidon's temple. The oldest version, she is a priestess of Aphrodite. Um, so, basically, I guess, neither Jackie nor I lived that long, and if we did, we don't remember that lifetime, um, uh, nor do I want to. <laughs> so, please, don't email me that you're a past life regressionist, <laughs> and you want to take me back to my obvious Greek lifetime, because I am uh, rather fond of Greek myths. Um, but... Uh, in the temples, Jackie, there were these temple prostitutes, and these were prostitutes that were not in the service of to a man, or they didn't have a pimp. Um, these were um, harlots who were in service to the goddess, where they were used as a mediating device of initiating men into eroticism. Um, now, eroticism, although modern belief, Jackie, because, of course, our imagery of eroticism is mainly done by men. <laughs> I hate to True. say it, it's mainly done by men. Um, you know, and is now, you know, on the cover of Barely Teen Legal and uh, Penthouse and Hustler. Oh, um, uh, but eroticism was always connected to the feminine archetype, not the masculine. Um, so the prostitute 
becomes a channel for something that is sacred, that is connected to the archetypal goddess. It's similar in myth, Jackie, to the king being the embodiment of the will of God on earth, which I talked about in the sun show. The temple prostitute was the embodiment of the goddess. Now, here is the thing. In the 21st century, we really don't have that much respect for this occupation. In ancient times, it was honored and sacred. Now, the love goddess was not concerned with relationships in a lunar sense, um, nor was she concerned about romanticism in a Neptunian sense. She okay, was, wait. You just went into astrospeak? Okay, okay. In a lunar sense means the moon, meaning structure, foundation, um, okay. family. You know, she wasn't interested in those types of relationships. Okay. Uh, you know, her purpose for being involved with somebody had nothing to do with, you know, you know, maybe we will get married and have a couple of kids. And it was a, more instant gratification. You know, a house in Ferndale, you know, right. with, with two cars. And, you know, she did it to get off. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, okay, I warned everybody. I warned everybody. You caught me. Uh, okay. Nor was she concerned about romanticism, Jackie, which is more Neptunian. Okay, gotcha. <clears throat> now, she was the initiator of male potency. Meaning, she was so hot. Meaning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she turned him on so much. Yeah. He was nothing but potency. He was potent and virile. Um, I like. I like how you say virile. Virile. Just like I like to say whore. A whore, <laughs> yeah. It is through the temple prostitute that he finds and discovers his virility and his creative life force, okay? Create, I want to break this down here for just a second. The reason I want to break this down, Jackie, is because for a woman in most cases, okay, after you get past the aphrodisian stage, which, you know, is I met this guy last Friday night at the pub, you know, we went back to that, you know, his apartment and, you know, I tied his arms down to the bed and, you know, rode him for all glory, um, you know, uh, you know, and got up, you know, the next morning and, you know, I haven't stopped thinking about him since and he hasn't returned any of my text messages, um, uh, you know, but. But, uh, you know, for most, that activation, Jackie, when a man is at the point in which he starts to become sexually active, okay, um, is hopefully, well, it was in our day and age, you know, between, I would say, 17 and maybe give or take a year, um, 17 and the early 20s, for depending, on now or back work. in the day? Back our day, Jackie. Now it is about 12. Um, uh, ho- hopefully not. But, uh, but the purpose, Jackie, for this particular initiation was that it was to activate his particular calling, his creativity, okay? So, you know, he goes to the temple. He's 18. His father and mother send him to the temple of Aphrodite. He gets laid. He comes out and says, oh, I want to be a sheep herder, you know? I know what I was thinking. I remember now. So, you know, know, all of his, you know, he gets rid of his blockages. (laughs) My pipes are clean. His pipes are now clean. And, you know, now he wants to be a sheep herder, okay? In many ways, that whole process of sexual initiation, even, although we don't have temple prostitutes now unless you're in Vegas, um, uh, and then you don't hear about it because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Um, (laughs) But uh, basically... You know, during that process, they go through this process, Jackie, in their late, later adolescence. You know, and then they wake up one morning and say, oh, I want to be a doctor, you know. <laughs> but it is to spur on that particular creative level, okay. The interesting thing is that with the temple prostitute is that she had to perform this particular act and duty of being a temple prostitute, Jackie, because she could not get married if she didn't. And if no man found her desirable enough to purchase her services from the goddess, mm-hmm. she was shamed and ridiculed. Um, so, yeah, I know you feel sorry for them, but, you know. Um, the temple prostitute was never the property of a man. and was not reliant upon them for survival by any means. Um, she did her job for her own pleasure because, in essence, the only thing she had to offer was herself. Um, uh, so... it. it, it the issue in regards to Venus for a man, okay, which 
I think is very, very paramount, is that for a man, Venus and relationship, okay, is a lot to do with initiation, okay, moving from boyhood to adulthood through the activation of their own potency and creativity. For a woman, it is about her developing an identity. And the problem is, is that unfortunately this has got mired badly, um, uh, you know, especially, you know, once the erotic goddess turned into somebody that was called Mary, you know, who was a temple prostitute that suddenly, poof, <laughs> had an immaculate conception, and then things kind of changed um, a little bit around. But the temple prostitute was extremely um, important in that particular period, and I think Could that... Did you just confuse Mary and Magdalene? No. Or did you blend them? In, if you take the particular myth of Mary and pull it apart, uh-huh. um, uh, there is actually a blending that is actually occurs. Um, the reason being is that Mary, okay, the symbol of Aphrodite, um, her patron bird is a dove. Oh. It is also Mary's patron bird is a Interesting. dove. Um, the word myrrh, okay, means um, ocean and or sea. Aphrodite's name, Afro, or the, the uh, Aphrodite, um, comes from the word foam or sea. <laughs> um, th- you can't make this stuff up, I'm sorry. Um, uh, so basically, you know, eventually, you know, that is what happened. In fact, you know, we're going to go into the myth of Aphrodite, Um Interesting. So, okay. So we. I digress. So let's go back to um, Aphrodite. Cause I have my own sure. um, understanding of Mary Mag. Mary. Mary well, Magdalene. There is Mary a little bit. Margaret. Okay. There is also Jackie a school of thought that believes that if you look at the history of that particular time, the likelihood of the three Marys that are in um, uh, Matthew, Luke, uh, Mark, and John. Mm-hmm. Being one may be a realistic idealism. Yes. That, in other words, it may have just been one Mary with different roles. You know, her occupation. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, that there were that there were different things. Um, uh, and that's a different show. Yeah, that's a different show. Um, Aphrodite, she has a very curious birth. Um, Cronus, um, who. Uh, you know, was the king of the gods at the time, or, or, you know, was in a particular circumstance in which he was not happy with the king of the gods at the time, which was Uranus. Um, Uranus had shoved all of his brothers and sisters, Jackie, into the underworld, didn't want to see them, was disgusted by them. They were made of earth and were not perfect, and Uranus doesn't like anything that is made of flesh. Um, shoved them into the underworld, and Cronus, you know, who was, Rius, or who was Gaia's son with Uranus, you know, castrated his father, castrated the idea, and tossed his phallus um, into the sea. And uh, nobody likes it when n- nobody likes it when their nuts are cut off. I'm sorry. Um, so he's tossed out into the sea. Out of the foam rose Aphrodite, and out of the blood rose the Fates. Um, in another version, she is the daughter of Zeus and Dion. Um, Dion herself was an earth goddess who was often associated with Rhea, and you get a lot of that in, or Gaia, um, uh, in, uh, in mythology. There's also another connection which you will find interesting, uh, Jackie, where they connect um, uh, Dion, Aphrodite's mother, also with Demeter. Um, and Aphrodite a little bit with Persephone. They both like, you know, those fruits. Um, uh, so basically, this is Aphrodite's connection to the physical world of pleasure. Um, she's married. Congratulations to Aphrodite. Uh, she's married. She had her big old Olympia set, and Kim Kardashian attended with Kanye West, her new husband. Um, and uh, <laughs> she got married to this guy girl. His name was Hephaestus. She was, he was as ugly as she was beautiful. Um, and it was kind of a sham marriage. Um, basically, what happened um, in this particular circumstance is that it was Hera forced this particular marriage because she was jealous um, and was fearful that Aphrodite was going to run off with her father, lover. There was a lot of stuff going on then, okay? Um, uh, God sleeping with each other was uh, 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 the way of the day back then. 
um, Hephaestus got upset um, because he was not receiving any form of respect for all of the beautiful objects, basically, that he was making for all of the gods, okay? And he throws a temper tantrum, and Hera, who was afraid that Aphrodite was going to steal her husband, as, you know, erotic goddesses do, I guess, um, uh, you know, says, oh, here, t t tell her she's marrying Hephaestus. Give her to him. So, you know, basically, you know, uh, then off, you know, we're at the wedding. Um, this is probably the first telling of Beauty and the Beast, except that Aphrodite is never faithful to him, and she has affairs with numerous humans and gods, um, and she has stray children all over the place. The list, Jackie, when I looked her up in Lou, uh, uh, LaRue's Encyclopedia of Mythology, of her children is probably as long as your arm. Um, so she has all of these stray children with him. Um, from, her, from Zeus, okay, she has Eros. From Hermes, she has Hermaphrodite. Um, from Ares, she has Harmonia. Um, but her most famous child was probably Adonis, um, who she ultimately destroys and, you know, her own beast kills Adonis. So, you know, she's not really particularly fond of her children either. Um, she's not, you know, what I would call the maternal type. Um, Aphrodite appears in many mythic stories because she is probably one side of the most famous or, or of the feminine archetype, the other being Hera. Um, she's featured in the myth of Eros and Psyche, where she is rather jealous and catty, and, you know, Psyche, uh, who was her daughter-in-law, you know, um, uh, she was considered the most beautiful woman on Earth. Aphrodite gets ticked off and, you know, um, uh, has her tied up to a rock to be eaten by a monster. And uh, in order for this to work, of course, you know, uh, Aphrodite has to send her son Eros down, Jackie, and shoot the arrow at her. And, you know, when the monster comes up, she'll be madly in love with it. And, you know, they'll go off and do their thing and he'll eat her. Um, but unfortunately, as often happens in myth, Eros punctures himself <laughs> and falls madly in love with, you know, he becomes the monster and, you know, uh, Psyche falls madly in love with him and, you know, it is uh, just a crazy story, but that's one myth. She appears in the Judgment of uh, Paris, which is a beauty contest, um, which Eros is involved with, which is the older version of Maleficent, by the way. Um, and basically what happens is that Paris chooses Aphrodite as the most beautiful goddess. In return, Aphrodite promises to give him the most beautiful woman on earth, which happens to be Helen of Troy, which, as a side note, is already married. Um, she is a significant character in the Persephone myth because she becomes rather annoyed with this state of Demeter and Persephone, and Persephone not being able to grow. Troublemaker. Oh, yeah, yeah, you don't. <laughs> so she does what any other good nosy neighbor does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she fiddles. And basically what she does is she goes to Gaia and says, Gaia, girl, you won't believe what's happening. You know that hoe, that ratchet hoe, Demeter. She down there with her daughter and they doing their thing. And, you know, that poor girl, she is just going to be with her daughter for the rest of her life if something doesn't happen. So Gaia says, okay. I don't like this. She's not letting her daughter grow. So what I'm going to do is I will create a portal. And Hades, you know, get yourself ready because you're going to go up there and get her. So off we have now the rape of Persephone. And Sparta, <laughs> she was a battle goddess, Jackie. And it's, interestingly, it's interesting because in the Iliad she is described as a blood-drinking, vicious battle goddess who feasted on her victims. And this is where the Greeks understood blood rites and bloodletting, Jackie, to be as exciting as the sex act itself. Um, I'm sure nobody is going to read that in a Twilight novel. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, she's a really interesting mythological figure. And I think if But they can read it in true blood. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they, they can read it in true blood, and they can read it in... You're, you're not going to see it in Twilight at all. Um, maybe an Anne Rice novel or two. You know, I, I think that Akasha was a bit Aphrodisian. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, as you can see when you look at these images, this is far from the kiss begins with K that we seem to worship at Valentine's Day. Right. 
Um, and do you, here's my question for you, Jackie. You've worked in this field for a long time, and you've been a witch for many, 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 many years. Do you think that modern people that are interested in, in um, Wicca or paganism or witchcraft have this understanding of Aphrodite, or do they have a watered-down... Um, okay. So if I was to go with the people that I hung out with, say, 10 years ago or even 15 years ago, um, no. They wouldn't, they didn't, we all came to Wicca 101 with um, high school mythology under our belt. And where there isn't this, there wasn't this intensive look at at what these um, gods and goddesses were all about. But maybe it's because I've, we've all grown and we've all looked at some different things. People, the people that I'm talking to that have a good decade under their belt are saying, oh, there's the dark side to everything. There's that um, not everything is, is peaches and cream with Aphrodite or with Zeus or with Apollo or with any of these things. There's, there's some intense parts of it. So I think it just takes the, um, the length of time and the, and the dedication to continued study. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, and this is one of the... But, but just let me... Sure. Um, Greek and Roman gods and goddesses are not in vogue right now. No, they're really not. Um, <laughs> uh, and those who... There are several figures of Aphrodite that have come up over the years, which are very Aphrodite, Aphrodisian. Um, in nature that have hit the world stage. Um, Marilyn Monroe is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and don't forget, um, oh, never mind, I forgot what her name is. <laughs> you already forgot her. Dumb. Well, if you come up and see me sometime. Uh, uh, Mae West. Yeah, Mae West. Um, she is another Aphrodisian um, type of figure. There's Marilyn Monroe, Mae West. Madonna's very Aphrodisian. Um, uh, you know, you don't see either Marilyn Monroe or Madonna sitting around waiting for a man. Men come to them in every sense of the word. Um, you know, what's interesting is is a lot of starlets, I mean, really famous starlets, even Mary Pickford was like that. Uh, yeah. Um, the reason being is that part of their image and their sexuality um, is what brought them to this particular, uh, this, this particular stage. Now, Aphrodite... Um, her description, Jackie, is she was described as golden, gold hair, skin and eyes. Um, uh, and this shows her connection to the sun and the purpose uh, of being part of the development of the individuality you of know, the person. And, and in America and, and in many parts of the world, that's still the definition of beauty. Yeah, it is. And it's, and it's also the definition of unattainable beauty. Um, that um, you have to be very divine, you have to be very lucky, you have to be very gifted or, or blessed to have all that. I have a question for you. Sure. Um, Athena, mm-hmm. or Diana, um, was very self-actualized as well. No. No? Diana is Artemis. Uh-huh. Um, Diana was a much... She's not real humanized in myth. Um, uh, she, as we talked about in the moon, is more concerned with different things. Um, she's not in a Venusian capacity. So, so looking at you know, and this is the problem. What you're going through right now with looking at these goddesses is the big, huge, gigantic split. Um, lunar goddesses are concerned with the body, natural laws, nature. Um, Artemis could care less whether or not that she had nice adorned clothes because you know what if you have to decorate yourself with something like that and it is not your own erotic smell that is drawing somebody you're just a big old fake and a poser anyway Um, that would be Artemis so I'm thinking of um, different powerful women in in history Mm -hmm. like um, Eleanor Roosevelt would not have Venusian energy to her or would she have so, so I'm just like I'm just showing a difference. Yeah, she's not real Venusian. Uh, here is here is the difference. Um, um, uh, if if you're thinking of somebody that is Venusian, think of somebody that is excessively erotic. Angelina Jolie is Venusian. Gotcha. 
Um, uh, whereas she's married to Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt before was married to Jennifer Aniston, which I don't think is Venusian. Correct. Um, I think that, you know, Angelina Jolie is not concerned whether or not that she's married to a man or not anyways, because you know what, she can adopt all those kids anyway. She's got about 56 now. Right. Um, you know, she can do that whole thing on her own. She doesn't need a man, okay? Um, uh, and there's certain figures that are have been prominent on the stage. Uh, Jennifer Lopez is extremely Venusian. Uh, Mariah Carey is not really. Okay. I'm, now I'm, I'm understand. Okay. Now I see where you're going with this. I just wanted some co- contrast and comparison to talk about our Aphrodite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, in mythology, um, uh, Aphrodite was not part of the triad um, of the lunar goddesses. Um, you know, she served a different role and a different function, which had to do with solar reasons. Um, all of the inner planets, after you get past, you know, once you, you have the moon, Jackie, which is where you come from, okay? Then you have your sun, your identity. Mercury, Venus, and Mars serve the sun. They don't serve the moon. Okay. So they have to do with developing one's own individual identity. And here is the thing with Aphrodite. She's vain. She's competitive. She really doesn't enjoy the idea uh, that someone would value the auspices of another goddess, for example, security or comfort or family. She really doesn't care about that. All that she cares about really is erotic pleasure. And um, she really... uh, she. She also doesn't like any human being in myth that tries to outdo her in the beauty department. She wants to be the cat's meow, and there's not going to be anybody else that's going to try to go up against her. If she does, she's after you. It's on. <laughs> and you don't, want to, you don't want to see that. And Psyche ended up inadvertently having to deal with it, and Aphrodite made her do all of these trials and tribulations and made her go down to the underworld and kill herself and all this other stuff to be, uh, uh, you, you know, to... It was just a big, huge, gigantic mess. She's okay. Kidding. Okay. Go ahead. So, so I'm just looking at you know, sure. Aphrodite has a lot of negative aspects to her. She does. According to our current value and moral structure. Yes. So, but there's always a positive side. There's always, if there wasn't an empowerment going on with something, then then they would not be important in our world. She does, because she reflects our longing for beauty. Um, uh, she, she reflects um, our need for pleasure. Um, she reflects the need that we have for the intoxication of being in love, the frenzy that we feel, Jackie, um, when we first get involved with somebody. Um, you know, when it is not about lunar needs at that particular point, it is about, oh, my God, girl, did you see that hot guy at the bar? Girl, I thought about him that whole night. I used a six-pack of batteries. I thought about him for so long. Um, you I, know, think, the, I think there's another yeah. aspect to, to Aphrodite, because when I was, when, when you're talking, mm-hmm. some of the things I was, and, and having that, empowered um that it, that really empowered knowing your own identity there's there's a, another person in our society i think about which is the um uh the woman who has lost herself in her marriage and her motherhood she's lost her identity and then finds it I've seen that happen so many times. Well, that, that is the point. Um, and usually what you have, Jackie, is the woman that loses that, she's not able to live out her own Venus. That is when the Venus is being blocked. Um, uh, you know, in essence, when you lay Aphrodite on the table raw, she is our need to feel valuable and lovable. And that this impels us to form relationships in which the individual that we become involved with or the idealized passion of that other person mirrors back to us our own inner beauty and worth. We get involved in that erotic relationship not because we want to share ourselves with somebody else, but because it makes us feel better about ourselves and therefore we're able to individuate a little bit more. Aphrodite and Venus is very, very selfish. And I don't use that word in a pejorative sort of way or in a punitive sort of way. Um, I use that word in a, we may all need to be a little bit selfish in order to figure out what it 
is that we really value about life? What is it that we really value in relationships? Um, uh, you know, she's a very important function, and this is why I think that in many ways, Jackie, we have lost so much touch with this, uh, uh, you, you know, with her, period. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think that there's some um, some really powerful energies that, um, as a woman, I, I'm, I'm looking at, as I'm reading all of our notes and understanding um, mm-hmm. um, how you, it's easy to get lost, that you think that to have power in your life, you have to dismiss all feminine energies and move only to male energies. Yes. And that's something that I, I see women do and become very masculine in their power, and that's never appealed to me as a person. I've always um, liked to use my womanly wiles, which is what I see Aphrodite all about, is having that, having being very empowered. It's the Cleo May candle all over the place, to be honest with you, or the Red Stilettos candle yeah. all over the place, because it's not it's not about love. And we judge it, and we have a, you know, the thing here is is that we tend to look at these particular types of women as bimbos, or if you remember that song by Pink several years ago, Stupid Girls, mm-hmm. um, you know, which bring up, I don't even think that those issues are Aphrodite. Aphrodite is not a bimbo. She's calculating, she's shrewd, she's uh, strategic, she knows how to get what it is that she wants. Mm-hmm. And that's all she cares about is getting what she wants. Um, and no man, human, god, goddess, monster, or anything is going to stop her. It's just not going to happen. And I think that in a lot of the problem, I think, Jackie, with women and personal power issues, or even certain men with personal power issues, I think that um, uh, th- the largest issue is a Venusian issue, because they haven't gotten to the point in which they can say, no. This time, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go after what I truly desire or what I want. These are my values, and this is what I'm sticking to. I'm not going to go along with you, um, um, uh, net bully, and like your posts and like your idealisms. Um, and sit around and, uh, you know, coddle you and urge you on and encourage you because I want to feel part of the pack. I'm an individual on my own, and that's against my values. That's what Venus does. Right. And, and, and you know, what I, I noticed, Jackie, is, is that because of the fact we're so disconnected from this particular imagery, a lot of our relationship idealisms are completely messed up, and we get involved in relationships for all of those lunar reasons. It's not about making us become an, a better individual. In many ways, Jackie, I think that um, even though that your visceral gut reaction when you started reading God Wears Lipstick is, oh, my God, this is to lock the woman down and force her into something. No, I think that actually the idealisms of relationship in Kabbalah is much more Venusian because of the fact that the woman becomes aware that she is a facilitator and or a vessel towards helping prompt and provoke that male creativity. And she does it by just being herself. Right. Right. And that's, so there's, um, as I was, again, inspired to create... Um, uh, and I know we have even way more to even um, cover with Venus, but I was inspired to create different kits, Venus energy kits, which are all about that woman's empowerment mm-hmm. to taking power and, and creating your own identity in your life based on your your own self and not based on anything else, not based on a family need or a mm-hmm. husband need or a societal need, but strictly your own need. So I'm very excited about those. The, which I only wanted to, because we were about ten minutes off, but I only wanted to talk about one more thing with Aphrodite because I think I've been rather clear in regards to what Aphrodite does and what she doesn't do. Okay. And people may need to listen to this three or four times, Jackie, because it is our natural tendency to start running to the comfort of the moon. Yes. It is. And, and, you, and, and if you start to do that, just correct yourself. If you start to go back to, I want to be in regard to in, involved in this particular relationship for X, Y, Z. Of course, there's going to be some dynamic in relationships that are lunar, but your original attraction to somebody is usually Venusian. If it is not, that relationship is called dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here, here is the one point that I want to make. 
Okay. Aphrodite is a troublemaker. (laughs) And she provokes crisis in existing situations of stagnation in which one's values have either become stale, that they haven't grown or adapted. Our values change over time. What is important to us at 15 is not important to us at 30, and if it is, um, uh, seek therapy. (laughs) Um, Or our values have grown twisted in some way, Mm -hmm. or the individuals have never properly formed an identity on their own. It is often through these difficult circumstances like love triangles, and which is called the eternal triangle, by the way, um, uh, or um, uh, extremely dysfunctional romantic relationships or things of this nature, that when you start to look at the roots of them and you start to dig deep and you start to move into where Aphrodite becomes activated, okay, With a lot of sufficient insight and self-honesty, we discover we have grown stagnant and sold ourselves out, basically to a collective system in order to feel secure. Um, Through these conflicts, uh, what we realize is that we have not developed ourselves. And for it is in the mirror of the rival or the person that, you know, our husband is involved with besides us or um, uh, in that particular object that it is that we desire, okay, that we glimpse, get a glimpse of our unlived life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very, very deep concept because I think that there, when you have a love triangle between two women and a male, um, uh, in many ways, Jackie, which is an Aphrodite, it's, it's an Aphrodite issue, a more Venusian issue. Um, uh, you will always hear terms, you know, when they call us up, Jackie, we hear them all the time. It is, um, you know, especially if it is the mistress. Oh, he's married to a bitch. She's trying to control him and manipulate him. Um, or if it is on the mistress side, you know, she is a whore, she's a trollop. She's ratchet. Uh Um, You know, all of these particular types of uh, terms. What actually that these two women are looking at their unconscious half. Um, uh, And I think that if we're honest enough to basically look at this particular stuff with a lot of insight, it can make us grow on that particular level. Because I think that Venus in many ways makes us challenge um, uh, social and moral restrictions which uh, we have imposed upon ourselves and uh, we've imposed them into our relationships for the sake of security and safety. Um, and, you know, it, it, when you really start and you look at, at, at the craziness and crises that happen in relationships that are of a Venusian sense in which one, somebody in the relationship gets kind of thrown into an erotic frenzy for somebody else, um, and they can't stop themselves, Jackie. In many cases, when you talk to them, you know this. Mm-hmm. You can't stop them. You know, it is, they're just compelled to do it in many ways. The reason being is because one feels alive when they're in those things, and it makes them feel um, uh, beautiful and deep on an inner level. If somebody wants you, that's a powerful feeling. That is. That, and and it's, it can be very um, addictive. Yeah. That's when that with with anything, whether it's it's your working with the sun or Mercury or Moon or or Venus, it, you can really run into the negative aspects. So in your chart, but isn't in your chart you can really take a look at yes. what um um you know where why you would be obsessed by this or or get a clue on how to fix it for yourself. Yeah, Venus is you know it is always the the planet that is going through difficulty. Um, in the chart, if you have Venus in square to Neptune, um, or you have Venus conjunct Saturn, and you're going through relationship issues, or your life pattern has been to go through relationship issues, um, the planet that is providing the problem, or is the problem, also provides the inoculation, Jackie, to the problem, because it is through... Venus difficulties where um, we begin to start to make real choices, affirm real values, and we begin to stop relying upon borrowed or conventional morality as a shield against life. It is when those become, when the, that begins to open itself up, Jackie, in a powerful sort of way that the individual 
um, uh, realizes their own meaning and their own value. And it's going to be different depending upon where it is. Venus in Libra is going to seek relationships that are harmonious. <coughs> Jackie. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, yours is in Virgo. But um, uh, 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 you know, Venus in Libra is going to seek harmony and balance and is going to need to feel beautiful and, you know, is probably going to need a couple of credit cards to Macy's or Bergdorf's or um, <laughs> wherever, you know, in order to adorn herself, you know, with, with nice perfumes because they make her feel attractive and where somebody wants her. Then somebody that has a Venus in Scorpio, which is going to, you know, is going to need out of relationship something much deeper. She's not going to be able to rely upon what Bride Magazine defines as conventional. You know, it has to be deep for her. And if it's not deep and it's not powerful and it's not life-altering, if that relationship doesn't hit her like a bus, um, it's not going to be meaningful for her. So it's going to express itself in different ways. My Venus is in Libra, by the way. Um, uh, you know, Jackie's is in, is in Virgo. Um, uh, but... If, say, for example, Jackie, you now have, you know, your Venus is in Virgo. You need a relationship that is structured, has foundation. Um, it gives you some form of meaning in regards to your life, is able to flow in a natural sort of way. It's extremely erotic. Um, it's sensual. Um, you know, all of these things. You know, and you know, besides your blue shoes, you know, you know, you like certain fashions, but it's always something unique. It's not the latest thing at Macy's. It has to be unique and preferably handcrafted. <laughs> um, you, you know, uh, uh, but you know that there is going to be the basic um, lens through which um, relationship is going to express itself. Um, you know, you can look at other things like aspects. You know, Venus conjunct Uranus. I have Venus conjunct Uranus. It's going to need to have relationships that are different than what ordinary people expect in regards to relationships. That's why it's, it's classically been labeled the gay signature. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's a gay signature. I think it just means that the person relates in a different way than other people. Um, but you can see when you take this particular part, if it does not align, Jackie, with conventional morality or conventional fads, the person can suppress that easily. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much to this. I, I just think that what I would love to um, spend time um, with you on this in the future, and it might be way in the future, mm -hmm. to really kind of talk about all these aspects of this, this Venus energy, especially in a woman's life. I yeah. think with with some of the, with both of our expertises, we could really, you know, just shy of it being a book. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it definitely is um, something for us to work on in the future because I, it, I think we're very disconnected from Aphrodite. Like I yeah. said, we, uh, we want to run back to the safety and comfort of the moon because the moon is not as messy and it usually offers you a bottle of milk to suck off. <laughs> Aphrodite doesn't offer that no. Aphrodite, at all. You know, and in fact, like I said, she enjoys feasting on the blood of her victims, which usually comes as the other woman. I know that's so much fun uh, to do that. <laughs> Um, so now, here's, here's the quick, did I, did I tell you the kits that I came up with? The names well, I, I just have one more thing. Yeah. Um, Jackie, how can somebody use Aphrodite to develop their inner potentials uh, in activating their own self-worth and self-value, which will lead them ultimately to more productive uh, relationships through um, the candles that we have at Coventry? Well, one of the kits that I put together is called Queen Bee. Mm -hmm. That has um, that rhymes with witch, um, which I'm not allowed to say in the air. Or can I? I don't yes. know. Can I? Queen bitch? Can I say yeah, queen bitch? You can say bitch. Um, so this is so. So many people look at the word bitch as a very negative term, and I look at it as a positive term because that means that you're really um, um, asserting yourself. Well, it's fitting for Aphrodite. You know, yeah, she, she wasn't uh, anything but one. <laughs> right. So. Um, what what I have is using the Cleome, the Black Cat, and the Crown of Glory. Now, those three um, hoodoo candles. Now, the reason why I have the Black Cat is because the Black Cat is very self-centered. Yeah. Um, and affects the world around them, but they're very, it's, it's all about um, your own luck and your own gratification. So, um, so Cleome, again, is that um, 
that, that bitch goddess energy um, where you get people to do your bidding and self-gratification. And then crown of glory is really understanding that you have the power for this. And and that's my um, those are the three candles in that kit. Um, or if you're using the Wicked Witch Mojo, I would pick the Red Stilettos, Everything and Then Some, and then Wish and Mojo. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why it was Wish and Mojo versus anything else is because as I wish, it becomes. Mm-hmm. So... I, you know, that that I think, and also the Big Girl Panties um, kit, um, which is all about saying, i got to do something, this is going to be hard, i got to pull up this power, and it's not within my nature to be yeah. a queen bitch, but i got to put it put on my Big Girl Panties. And I would use the Crown of Glory hoodoo, the High John hoodoo, and the Fiery Wall of Protection hoodoo, because you're walking into a very scary place and you've got to feel like somebody is um, has your back. One thing to remember is that the archetype raw, which is what we've been talking about in these shows, just the archetype bear, when she is in a sign, she is going to wear the particular sign's clothing. Um, And that is with all of the particular uh, planets. Um, The sign is going to temper them. Not everybody that has, you know, Venus in Capricorn is never going to walk around stealing other people's women. But you know what? She might be the best cutthroat businesswoman you've ever seen. (laughs) Right. Right. Or or, um, Venus in Cancer would be the one who do not mess with her children. Um, not only do not mess with her children, but um, finds her value and her meaning in family and in the roots from the past and um, uh, in her uh, uh, connections to other people because she requires emotions. You know, this, uh, this is a Venus that, you, you know, is more of an emotional Venus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we have, um, like you said, it, it whatever that understanding that Venus energy and then whatever sign she is yeah. in, she's wearing that those clothes. I love that idea. I really, um, I really like how you phrase that. You know, so and and it will temper it. Now um, we will be back in two more weeks. I will be interviewing. You'll have a little conversation with me and Jackie. Probably then I'll interview Patty. Then we'll have a little conversation with me and Jackie. Because um, <laughs> uh, it, Jackie just gets weirded out when she's interviewing Patty. Um, <laughs> um, and I then, talked to her all day. And then the season finale of um, Keep It Magic uh, will be Jackie and I, and I will be interviewing Jackie. And a lot of questions. I've heard all the interviews. I've heard all the questions that are asked of her. I've read all of the books as they were being produced. Um, I hear all about the classes. I know she's trained me in candle magic probably more so than anybody. Um, uh, I'm going to ask all of the questions that nobody else has ever asked. Oh, oh, those? <laughs> and no, I think it's going to be a lot of fun because I think that's... Um, I think so, too. Uh, you know, I, I think that oftentimes that uh, uh, there's a lot of things that we can't get out when we're doing content, and um, or we need to keep something focused in a particular way when we're doing content. And I think that there's a lot of uh, of Jackie that needs to be raw and uncut. <laughs> so uh, we might have to have a put the um, put the warning. Before this show, this this show <laughs> might be eighteen and over. Yeah, um, uh, but uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to say the least. Um, cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com. Again, cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com. If you have a problem in your life, especially if that is a relationship problem. Um, and you want to get back your personal power and activate your Aphrodite, we have a candle for that. So cruise on over and check that out, which I think is probably the biggest problem, Jackie, is that people don't have enough Aphrodite activated. Um, uh, And you can also get a reading um, or an Akashic Records consultation from Jackie over at Coventry Creations. You can find me at stormfestivani.com. I do have an article that will be going up 
on Venus and values, so you will want to check that out. Um, also, um, Jackie and I, just to forewarn you, we take every August off. It's not going to be any different this year. Um, and then Jackie and I will be back with Season 4 in the early part of September. So only two more episodes left after you get done with the show of Season 3. And Jackie, what do they need to do in the meantime? They need to go to CoventryCreations.com, and they need to keep it magic. Speak life, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. feels perfect other days it just ain't working the good the bad the right the wrong and everything in between yo it's crazy amazing we can turn our hearts through the words we say mountains crumble with every syllable hope can live or die so speak